Amen. Good morning. Children, you are dismissed. Children's church. Amen. There we go. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to see you out. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. Maybe, um, let's give me, if I can have just an usher, give me one more notch down on that AC back there. Just tap it, tap it down to 71, somebody. You got to get a key. Get one of the guys. I don't bring my keys anymore. I'll start bringing them. There's too many fans are waving. I haven't started preaching yet. Amen? Now, it's different when I'm taking you know, a little fire and brimstone. Then you're supposed to fan. But this is... If you have your Bible, so let's go to Philippians 1. Philippians 1. And we are in the book of Philippians. We have begun a new series. And we are getting to verse 2. Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen. Someone says it's going to be a long trip. It might be, but it'll be a good one. Amen? Enjoy the journey as they say. So again, uh, Philippians 1, I want you to look beginning with verse 1. Let's read our text and let's press into the Word of God. Don't you love the Word of God? Amen. Man, with all the news in this world today, you better get some good news. You better open up that book and get the report of the Lord. Amen. Every mother and their mother's got a report. Well, I got a report right here. It's a good report. It's an eternal report. And this book will never fail you. Hallelujah. Philippians 1, verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with their overseers and their deacons. Here it is, verse 2, grace and peace to you. Somebody say to me. I mean, because if you don't get it, we're wasting a lot of time. Grace and peace to me. you got to claim this for yourself. Amen. All right. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank my God every time I remember you. And all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the Gospel from this first day until now. Being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to use for a title this morning, Grace and peace to you. To you. We're in this series in the book of Philippians. And we have already covered verse 1 where there are two key words in Paul's greeting. Saints and servants. Paul introduces and describes himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. And as we studied that word a little deeper, we found out that as Christians, we are not our own. We have been purchased. We are now the possession of Jesus Christ. And that's a good thing. That's a marvelous thing. That's a wonderful thing. Can you say amen? Amen. Then we saw that Paul addressed and described the believers as saints in Christ Jesus. Saints, the holy, set apart, sanctified ones. We who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We've been separated from that old world. Separated from sin and set apart for God. For His eternal pleasure and purpose. We have been set apart. It's a position that leads to a practice in how we live. Now this week I want to focus on verse 2. Let's look at that together. And it says, grace and peace to you. 
from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what we have here in verse 2 is Paul is speaking a blessing over the people of God. This is more than just a greeting. This is a blessing, so receive the blessing. Take it for yourself. God speaks it over your life. He combined two words into one blessing. He kind of weaves a Greek word and a Hebrew word, and he makes it one very special Christian blessing. Maybe in this world, probably this week, you've experienced some turmoil or some stress, some negativity, but God's word to you is grace and peace. To you who hear my voice and belong to the Lord Jesus, Heaven's message and salvation's privilege speaks over your life grace and peace. Grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. God says, I'm giving you favor. It's not fair. It's favor. It's my sovereign kindness that I chose to speak and put over your life grace, unmerited favor, peace. This peace speaks of that inner assurance, that calm that the Holy Spirit gives to us that ministers to our hearts, giving us a contentment and a confidence in the midst of life and its turbulence and its storms and its trials. When you wake up in the morning, before you check the weather, before you see the stock market, before you go to headline news or see if your name is in the obituary column, before you do any of that, you can stand up and declare, this is the day my Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? For this is the day heaven's smile is upon me. This is the day the grace of the Almighty is energizing me. This is the day the caring eyes of my heavenly Father are watching over me continually. This is word for me. It's grace and peace. Because you're a child of God, you can expect the smile of your heavenly Father to shine down upon you. Goodness and mercy shall follow us And grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ has been declared over us. You are blessed. Can you say amen? Amen. Now I know in this world we have problems. Jesus said in this world you'll have troubles, but we're still blessed. You see, just because we're blessed doesn't mean we won't battle. Just because you're blessed doesn't mean that we won't have to endure some storms and trials on this side of eternity. But we are blessed. Some people like to ask, does God have a word for me? And I like to tell them, if you're His child and you're walking with Him, God's got a good word for you. It's grace and it's peace. It's my favor without and my contentment and strength within. Is there a message? From the Almighty to me. People ask in my struggle, in my sickness, in my loneliness, in the storm, does God have something to say to me? And we respond, yes, yes, a million times yes. God has a word. Because you're His child and you're walking close to His heart because you've received His Son. Grace and peace belongs to you. God Almighty is committed to your care. God Almighty's ears is open to your cry. God Almighty will bring you you through that storm and take you through that trial. Oh, Pastor Todd quoted it earlier. The prophet Isaiah said it years ago. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. God says you are mine. You're my treasured possession. Therefore, when you go through the waters, they're not going to drown you. And when you go through the fire, you will not be burned because Jesus walks with you. Jesus is your shield. Jesus is your strength. Somebody say amen. 
We're not the world. We're God's people. There's got to be a difference or it's all a bunch of, you know, whatever. But we are sons and daughters of the living God. And greater is He that's within me than he that's in that world. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? you got to believe what you believe. you got to believe what you believe. I met a lot of people, they don't believe what they believe. What do you believe? They tell you, but they don't believe it. Isn't that right? I mean, you can get a parrot to quote 16 fundamental truths. You can get an ape, repeat after me if you work with them long enough. Isn't that right? Isn't that true? You know, it's got to be real. It's got to be personal. Then it becomes powerful. I'm going to believe. If God be for me, none can be against me. I'm going to believe. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm going to believe no weapon formed against me can prosper. I'm going to believe he holds me in the hollow of his hand. And no devil of hell oh, oh, can steal me out of that hand. I'm going to believe the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm going to believe, but thou, O oh Lord, art a shield all around me. You're the glory and you're the lifter of my head. I'm going to believe that this is the day the Lord has made. And the Lord is ruling and the Lord is reigning and I belong to the Lord. Can you say amen? Oh, yeah. Grace and peace. God's got a word for His people. I love that. Oh, isn't that wonderful? God has a word for you and I this morning. Again, this is not just a greeting. This is a declaration. This is God's proclamation over the life of His children. Grace to you, that means favor. Unmerited, undeserved. We didn't deserve it. But God chose to love us. God chose to save us. And now God chooses to bless us. Isn't that wonderful? He wants to bless your home. He wants to bless your business. He wants to bless your marriage. He wants to bless your ministry. He wants to bless your life. God's a good God. Amen. He wants to bless that home. He wants that home to be a little bit of heaven on earth. When Jesus is in the marriage, when Jesus is in the home, there's a touch of heaven on that home. That's the blessing of the Lord. That's a peace that the world doesn't know about. There's a joy that the world cannot explain. There is something supernatural and divine when you seek ye first the kingdom and give Jesus Jesus, His proper place, then His blessing can abide and His blessing can get richer. His blessing can get deeper. Paul begins this letter. And if you read some of the dead theologians, they'd say it's just a greeting. It doesn't mean anything. But the last time I checked, every word in that book was given by inspiration of God. That is the Word of God. That is God declaring peace, grace to you. And I'll take God's Word. Grace to you. Favor Unmerited, undeserved. But God chose. Grace unmerited. Grace sufficient. Grace abundant. Grace abundant. I like that. Abundant grace. Some of you men remember years ago that old Brill Cream commercial. Remember Brill Cream? A little dab will do you. Amen. Well, I got news for you. God's grace is not a little dab. Amen. I need a little more than a dab. I need a whole lot of grace. Amen. <laughs> You know, Romans 5 and 20 says, Where sin did abound, grace did what? Much, much more abound. That word much more in the Greek, it begins with the word hyper. Hyper. We know hyper is extra added, overactive. Overactive grace. Where sin did abound, overactive, abundant, prevailing. Grace was poured out on our lives. We talk about grace. It's unmerited. It's undeserved. 
God chose to love us. God chose to save us. And now He chooses to bless us. I'm not going to argue with it. I'm just going to say, thank you, Lord, and walk in it. But this grace is also abounding and abundant. It's not just a little dab, a little, you know, what, what, the, what those things they had back in the war. I mean, I hear, hear stories from my mother-in-law back in Europe. Um, they had rations, rations, you know, rations. Some children of God live like they're under rations. You don't have to worry about rations when you know the Lord. He's a provider. He's a protector. Come on, it's abundant grace. That's what the book says. You know, Dr. Boyce gives an illustration of abundant grace. He got it out of a paper must have been back in the late 70s, early 80s. There was a young man that was a dishwasher over in Clearwater making about $4 an hour. $4 an hour. One day he found out he inherited, didn't know his father had stock in some lumber company out in the West. And either way, didn't know about it. Father, he got $3 million. Woo! Now, Dr. Boyce says, now just suppose the day before that, his boss had said, I'm going to, goodness of my heart, going to give you a raise, dollar an hour raise. Now, that would have been grace. Amen. Now, three million dollars. That's abundant grace. Amen. <laughs> he writes in the same way in the economy of God. We who were lost and had no claim on God. We have received undeserved and abounding grace. Not just a small one time act, but the riches of his grace overflowing upon our lives. Grace that began before we were and grace that will continue throughout eternity. That's abundant grace. That's abundant grace. Oh, that's abundant grace. You know, um, Tony Evans writes in one of his books, if, if we'll focus on grace a bit, a focus on grace can change one's perspective. He says, for a little bit of joy in your life, wake up in the morning and rather than complaining about what you don't have, start your day with the grace of God. Start with what God has already done that you didn't deserve in the first place. And as the song says, count your blessings. Name them one by one. Or Pastor Beach would say, weigh them ton by ton. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. It might surprise you what the Lord has done. Can you say amen? I want to give God grace. I want to give God praise for His grace this morning. The marvelous grace that every one of us that knows the Lord we've experienced. We give Him thanks for the grace that sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins on the cross. What I couldn't do, God did for me. I didn't deserve it, but He chose to do it out of love, mercy, out of grace. I thank God this morning for the grace that sent Jesus Christ to die for my sins. I thank God this morning for the grace that opened my eyes and awakened my heart to see my need of that salvation, to respond to that salvation, because many have heard and it hasn't moved them. Many have witnessed it, but they haven't responded to it. I thank the Lord this morning for the grace that somehow opened up my heart and opened up my eyes that I could see I need it, I need it, I need it. It was grace that caused me to say, I'm a sinner. Jesus saved me. I thank the Lord this morning for the grace that has kept us from falling and drifting and straying through these years. Many have strayed from the course. Many aren't where they used to be. I want to thank God this morning I'm where I'm at today. I'm not here because of my own wits. I'm not here because of my own disciplines. I'm here today because of the good grace of God that's kept me from straying and kept me from stumbling. He's kept me in the palm of His hand. I want to thank God for grace this morning that has brought you and I through our shares of heartaches and trials and turbulence and setbacks. Grace that will keep us strong until we cross that finish line. 
John. Many might have written us off, but oh, by the grace of God, we're still standing this morning. We're still singing His praises. We're still serving Him. Others might have said He won't last. Others might have said she'll never keep with it. But here we are all those years later, still loving Jesus, still witnessing to His power, still coming into His house. I want to thank God for grace that has kept us and wouldn't let us go. I want to thank God for grace that gives us strength each and every day to fight the good fight of faith, to continue pressing on. We get knocked down. We get back up by the grace of God. We take a wrong turn, but we get steered back on the right track by the grace of God. We get wounded at times, but we don't let it defeat us. We get deceived at times, but we don't let it control us. For the grace of God keeps us, and the grace of God drags us forward. There's even been a time or two in my ignorance, I try to fight with God. I try to resist God. Oh, but His grace would not let me go. I thank God for the grip of God's grace that wrapped His arms around me and said, you're mine and I won't let you stray. You're mine and I'm going to complete the work I began in your life. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. We praise You, Lord, for Your grace. Amazing grace. Sufficient grace. Abounding grace. Undeserved grace. Hallelujah. Grace. Grace. God didn't need us. He chose to love us. God, God is God. He needed me like I could have never been. And it wouldn't have, God wouldn't have missed a beat. Everything I have is by the mercy and grace of God. Oh, don't ever stop thanking God for grace. He could have let that thing run its course. He could have let that one continue to do what they were doing. Oh, the grace, the grace, the grace. Paul writes to the church, grace and peace to you. Peace. Peace with God. We thank God for peace with God. The initial salvation, this word, is speaking of the peace of God. That's the peace that fills our inside. Keeps us steady, content, calm, comforted, courageous as we walk through this world because we know who's in charge of it all. Peace of God, divine in its origin, supernatural in its operation. Divine in its origin. comes from God. My peace, Jesus said, my peace. Divine in its origin, supernatural in its operation. It passes understanding. You can sing in the midnight hour. You can go through things that other people would curse God and die, go to that bottle, run out. But you have something supernatural and divine within you. That's the peace of God. This peace and inner assurance of tranquility that God ministers to the hearts of His people. It keeps us spiritually confident, steady, content, even in the midst of the turbulence and the turmoils of life. We live in a world that's uptight, it's frustrated, it's quarrelsome, it's agitated. Aren't you glad you don't have to live like that? Let's look at the words of Jesus. John 16 and verse 33. John 16 and verse 33. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me, in me, you may have peace. In Jesus there's peace. In Jesus there's peace. In abiding in Jesus you'll find peace. In walking close to Jesus you'll find peace. It's strange that we get stressed. It's when we ignore His Word that we, you know, we, we get... I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. 
in this world you'll have trouble. And he's right. In this world there are troubles. To the good, the bad, the ugly, there's troubles. It's part of this life. But Jesus said, you take heart. You be of good courage. I've overcome that world. And one way he overcomes the world is by allowing his peace to abide in our hearts. Doesn't take away the trouble of this world, because that world on this side of eternity, trouble is part of the fall. But he puts within us an abiding peace of his presence that enables us to walk in this troubled world, but to walk through it like a child of the living God. Amen. John 14, verse 27. John 14, verse 27. Again, this is the words of Jesus. He said, peace I leave with you. He's getting ready to leave them. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He said, you can't come with me. They're nervous. They're afraid. That group of disciples, I mean, they seem like they're backsliding every other day when Jesus is there. My Lord, what's going to happen when he's gone? I mean, and they're getting nervous. And they're fighting over who's first in the kingdom and cutting off ears. I mean, that, that was some, quite a crew that he left it with. And, and Jesus, peace I leave with you. My peace. My peace. I won't note that down. My peace. This is supernatural. I'm not talking about some mental philep. I'm not talking about just natural. I'm talking about something divine and supernatural. This is a supernatural walk. Amen? I mean, if you're born again, you're born again by the Spirit of God. This is a supernatural thing. And there is a supernatural impartation of God's Spirit that gives us an inner peace, an inner tranquility, an inner contentment in the midst of all that peace. I leave with you my peace. I give you. Wow. What a gift. What a treasure. She says, listen, until I come back, this world's going to have troubles and problems and heartaches. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to give you my peace. I'm not giving it a counterfeit. I'm not buying some knockoff. You know what I mean? Some cheap label. No, 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 no. I'm going to give you my very own peace. It's my gift to you. It'll steady you. It'll strengthen you. It'll keep you. Oh, my Lord. Therefore, therefore. He says, listen, I don't give to you as the world does. No, 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 no. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Receive my peace. Let it work in your life. Let it rule and govern your heart. You see, he's saying, my, my peace is not a shallow, sentimental emotion. It's the divine working of my spirit within your heart and within your life. That's why we can live different. That's why we can respond different. Oh, glory be to God forevermore. The world bases its peace on resources. If I got enough money, things are all right. If I got enough connections, things are all right. They're, they're, everything lining up out here, then maybe I'll be okay. But God's peace does not depend on natural resources. It depends on spiritual relationships. When you have Jesus, you can have peace. When you have Jesus, you don't have to be uh, up here in the things of the world. You have something that the world can't give and the world can't take away. Our peace is from our relationship to salvation and the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. The knowing that our times are in His hands. The knowing that He is our shepherd and He's watching us and caring for us. And He is strengthening us and that we don't have to carry the load with our own strength where He's invited us to cast every care and to entrust Him with every burden. There is a peace that passes understanding. But it's not because of the outward, everything being in its place. It's because we walk with the Lord and we love the Lord and we know He loves us. Our relationship with Jesus means despite of circumstances, we have the assurance of His pardon, of His provision, of His protection, of His power, of His presence. 
We have something within. We have the caring and the contentment of God's Spirit. His peace is not contingent or controlled by what's happening around us. It is settled. It is eternally secure by Christ's Spirit within us and Christ's smile upon us. God's Word to His people. Grace. Peace. Verse number 4, joy. Now, let me give you a little note takers. Take this little note. It's important that we know how to activate the resources of God. It's important that we know how to activate in our lives the resources of God. For example, we know if we go to Philippians 4, we're taught how to activate this peace. Because you can have a resource and not know how to activate it. You can have a benefit and not know you have it or certainly not know how to work it. Amen? I had an uncle, very wealthy, back in the 80s, doing very good in business, and um, driving in a car one time. He had Jaguars and all these, all these top-notch cars. But I remember we were driving and, and, with, and all of a sudden he touched the button and something happened. He goes, man, I, I had this car for a year. I didn't even know that happened. I had this. I didn't even know that was there. And a lot of Christians are like that. They don't know what they have, and then they don't know how to work it. But what you'll notice, I want you to take note, as you do your devotionals, you take note when you come across something in the Scripture that gives you a condition to receive. Or something that will trigger a blessing. So that you can act your faith and receive it. You can have many blessings, but they'll do you no good if you don't know you have them, and you don't know how to ignite them. Peace of God, Philippians 4, tells us how to abide in that peace. You know, James 1 tells us how to enjoy the wisdom of God. You can have the wisdom of God at your disposal, but you have to know how to to get that resource flowing in your life. We have to realize things like joy. We're going to see in Romans 15 how joy is strengthened and joy is released in our hearts. Of course, salvation is the same principle, is it not? It's not so much that the promise isn't there and the power is not available. Men and women must trigger salvation in their own lives by responding in faith, by receiving God's grace. So write that down and notice, because I see many Christians that have many, many blessings, but they still live way below the place God would desire them to live. They aren't entering in and enjoying the promises. They might sing about them. They might know about them. But for some reason, they don't recognize often there's something I must do to put in motion the fullness of God's blessing or to release the working of God's Spirit in that way. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Grace, peace, and now verse 4, joy. Look at this in verse 4. Paul says, in all my prayers, for all of you, I always pray with joy. You know, Paul, as we said earlier, Paul's in prison, yet he's full of joy. This is the book where he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. If I was in prison, I don't know, I might be, you know, raining on the inside type of stuff, you know. Uh, melancholy, I'm down in the dumps. I hear a lot of these songs, they're down, they're down. So I say, my Lord, get, uh, get up in the name of Jesus. Paul is under house arrest. And yet we've said before, this book of four little chapters has about 16 references in one way or the other of joy or rejoicing. Wow. Paul's in prison yet full of joy. Now, the definition here for joy, an inner gladness. A deep-seated assurance, that, a confidence that ignites a cheerful heart. One theologian was able to really bring it down home, and I just I like the simplicity of his definition. Feelings of happiness that is based on spiritual realities. 
That kind of says it well. Feelings that it's based on the spiritual, not the natural. Letters full of joy. Full of joy. I read a story the other day. What was a little, a little guy? A little guy got reprimanded. Must have been a you know, first or second grader. He got reprimanded for laughing out loud in class. He said, teacher, I didn't mean to. I was just smiling and the smile busted out. I'd like to see some more joy bust out around here. Amen. Oh, Lord, rejoice in the Lord always. Hey, let the honey bucket tip over and let the joy of the Lord overflow our hearts through our mouths and give praise to God. I want to notice four things about joy. The joy of the Lord. God wants you to enjoy His joy. Now, we have to recognize our joy is not created by possessions or positions. God can bless us in those ways. We thank God for His blessings. But the source, ultimately, is not the possession or the position, but it's by a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, that our joy flows. Our joy is not created by those things. Our joy is created by Jesus living within us, filling us with His Spirit. We abide in the vine and we walk with the Lord. Those other things are nice and we give God praise for them and they're extra blessings. But the true joy that we speak of doesn't come from those things. It comes from the person of the Lord Jesus. Number one, I want you to notice the joy we have as Christians is a divine joy. It's a divine joy. Like divine peace, this joy is an operation of God's Spirit. The source of our joy. The sustaining power. The thing that keeps it going, regardless of circumstance, is that it comes from God Himself. It's the work of God's Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, joy. It's something the Holy Spirit in us produces and wants to mature and increase in our lives. So beware of counterfeits. Beware of imposters. Always ask, what's the source of this thing? The root of God's joy, divine joy, its roots are not in the earthly, not in the material. It's the joy of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's based on the Lord's salvation and the Lord's working in our life. It's His joy working within us. If you would, John 15 and verse 11. John 15 and verse 11. Let's just notice this is these things. Here's Jesus. These things I have spoken to you. Underline this, that my joy, my joy. When we talk about the joy of the Lord, just like the peace, is something supernatural, is something of the Spirit. Because it's His joy, it can last when the natural joy wouldn't last. Because it's His joy. We can keep it and it can keep us in situations where it wouldn't seem to make sense to have joy. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. It's His joy. If you would, Romans 14 and verse 17. Romans 14. Number one, it's a divine joy. It's a divine joy. You see, just like peace, the, the, the joy of God, the peace of God... The world stuff is fragile, inconsistent, very temporal. It's right. So some people, they're only, they'll, be, they'll, be, they'll have what they consider joy only if everything lines up. If one thing goes wrong, they're, uh, you know what I mean? That's not God at all, folks. That's not God at all. Look at this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, if you are a member of the kingdom of God, if you are a citizen 
of the kingdom of God, then you have certain rights as a citizen. And one of the privileges of a citizen of the kingdom of God is peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So this belongs to you. If Jesus is your king, one of the privileges and the blessings and the benefits of being a citizen of His kingdom is having a peace and having a joy that's not of this world, it's not kept by this world, it's not originated by this world, but it's inspired of the Spirit, it's kept of the Spirit, and it grows as the Spirit flows in our lives. Number two, it's a joy that does not depend on circumstances or happenings. You know, God's joy is not um, the same as the world's. Like we said, um, the, the, His joy overrides the temporal. It continues when the outward's not perfect. It, it com- abides when maybe the news isn't the best. It's richer. It's deeper. It's lasting. You remember, the source, of course, is inward. It's a working of the Spirit that flows out of us. Where the world in which we live is so fragile. Relationships are fragile. They're delicate. They're frail. They're so temporary. If one thing goes wrong, I'm walking out. If one thing isn't right, I'm going to get ugly. Oh, we're so limited. We're so weak in the natural man. But the joy of the Lord. Oh my, we sing in the midnight hour. We can testify. We can stay sweet instead of getting sour when things aren't going good. There's something that takes us to a new place of living because we're not living by our own wits and our own strength, but we're living by the Spirit of the living God. And the natural happiness depends on happenings, happenings. They come and they go, and they'll fool you. But the joy of God, the joy of the Lord, is a joy implanted in the believer's heart by God. Again, we sing in the midnight hour. We rejoice in the presence of our... you remember how this church was born if you go back to the book of Acts? This church of Philippi was born. Paul and Silas are in prison. Paul and Silas are in pain, yet there's something very real in their hearts. There's something divine deposited by God Himself within them. And it's also within you. And it enabled them to bless Him in the midnight hour and to praise Him. Even when they were hurting and even when things didn't look like they were working out the way they had planned. But they had something deeper than that and stronger than that. More and more lasting than that. And they praised the Lord in the midst of it all. And their chains fell. And I want someone to know as we learn to walk in the peace and walk in the joy and enjoy the grace of God. Many chains and many things that cripple our character and hinder our testimony and keep us back from our advancement. Those things will begin to fall off, but it will take a faith. It will take a response. It will take a determination to seek the Lord and to do what the Word of God says to do, to release the blessing, to increase the measure of it thereof. The joy that we have is from God, opposed to the human happy happiness that is subject to circumstances very, very temporal. Very, very temporal. I remember reading um, John Ortberg as an author, and he wrote about the difference of the world's happiness, the temporal, versus the lasting joy and happiness of a believer. And he said something to this. Anybody remember a happy meal? Amen. Anybody? Remember the happy? Have they still got happy meals? I wish my kids were still into them to save me a lot of money. Amen. But they don't. Well, she, I have to get ten of them now. But anyway. John Ertberg, he writes, when we take our children to the shrine of the golden arches, 
They always desire for a meal that comes with a cheap little prize. A combination christened in a moment of marketing genius, the Happy Meal. You're not just buying fries and McNuggets and a dinosaur stamp. You're buying happiness. Yes. Their advertisements have convinced my children that they have a little McDonald's-shaped vacuum in their souls. Our hearts are restless till they find their rest in a happy meal. He says, I try to buy the kids off sometimes. I tell them to order only the food and and I'll give them a quarter to buy their own little toy. But the cry goes up, I want a happy meal. And all over the restaurant, people crane their necks to look at that tight-fisted, penny-pinching, cheapskate of a parent who would deny a child the meal of great joy. (laughs) He says the problem is, though, that the happy meal is that the happy wears off. And then they need a new one. And another one. And another one. No child discovers lasting happiness in just one. Remember that happy meal that sustained me through the years. What great joy I have found. He writes, happy meals ultimately only bring lasting happiness to McDonald's. You ever wonder why Ronald McDonald's got that grin on his face all the time? Twenty billion in happy meals, that's why. (laughs) And then he writes the ouch line. He says, you know, when we get older, we don't get any smarter. Our Happy Meals just get more expensive. Uh, uh. We thank God for the many blessings of this life. But we have to remember, natural things are passing. What Jesus offers and what comes from only walking and abiding with Him, that's eternal. A joy that does not depend on the natural, but is everlasting because it's from God Himself. Amen? Amen? It's a joy. It's a divine joy. It's a joy that does not depend on circumstances. It's a joy that springs from faith. I want you to see this verse. Romans 15 and verse 13. One way we activate the joy. One way we activate the joy. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. Why don't you underline that in your mind? Hmm. May the God of hope fill you joy and peace as, so as you trust in Him, you release that hope and that peace and that joy. One of the things that triggers the working of these things in our lives is trusting God and believing God so that you may overflow with hope by the power of God's Spirit. You see, trusting in the Lord and having faith and believing what do you mean? Because faith believes that God can be trusted, that God can be counted on, that God has everything under control. Because faith believes that no problem is too big and no mountain is too high and no adversary is too great. Faith believes that even in the midst of it all, this trial is working for me, not against me. This storm cannot defeat me. The Almighty is for me. And if He be for me, who can be against me? Victory is coming. It's closer than when I first believed. And as I focus on the promises of God and I exercise a trust in God, it takes me out of the perspective of being overwhelmed by my fear, overwhelmed by my discouragement. And it helps me to see the Lord. And it stirs in me a joy and a peace as I trust God and I lean firm firmly on the promises of God. And I believe in the reality of this God to do what He said He would do. Can you say amen? 
And lastly, it's a joy that is fueled by the truth of our future. You know, if you're not a Christian, it only gets worse from here. Only the Christian can say the best is yet to come. If you're not a Christian, it's only going to get worse. If you're not a Christian, you better be afraid of everything you hear over the news. But if you get anything, it's over. If your heart's not right with God, you have a mansion, you can have a Bentley. Once that heart stops beating, it's over. It's over. Oh, there's something wonderful about knowing you have a salvation that's secure and things are right between you and the Almighty. Can you say amen? Amen. The joy that we have is fueled by the truth of our future, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. We endure things because we know joy is coming in the morning. We endure things because we know this world is not our home. We're passing through and a better day is coming. You see, heaven's reality and heaven's reward should encourage us. It gives us a cause to rejoice. We are a rejoicing people. We are people of joy because we know there is a real heaven coming. And we are waiting that day to hear thy good and faithful servant welcome into the joy of thy salvation. The fact, the fact, the fact that something certain and something much greater is coming, it encourages us. Jesus said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. You might go through things down here, but you don't have to lose your joy. You might go through things down here, and you don't have to let them steal your song, because ultimately you know this time, this part of the world is temporal. But heaven and glory will be forever and ever and ever and ever. Heaven affects us now. keeps us joyful now. Heaven must be more than a destination. For you and I that love the Lord, it has to be a motivation and an inspiration to praise Him, to love Him, to serve Him on the mountaintop or in the valley. There's something greater within us, the Spirit of the living God. And by that Spirit, we've read the end of the book, and we know that we win. And therefore, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. So we sing and we praise and we keep the joy and we enjoy His peace and we give praise for His grace. We are the people of God and we're thankful That God's Word and God's decree and God's proclamation over our lives. Grace, peace, joy to you. Grace, it's undeserved. But God chose to love you and chose to save you. And He chooses now to bless you if you let Him. Peace, regardless of what you're facing on the outward. His peace will give you an abiding confidence and steadiness on the inward. And joy! Joy that starts down, but it works out. Joy that is something within by the Spirit, but it doesn't stay there. It flows as you trust God and walk with God and meditate on the truth of God. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, we're going to close. Stand with me, please. As we close this morning, I will pray a prayer. But I still am going to open the altar. That's up to you if you want to come. I mean, I just... If you're here today and your heart's not right with God, don't leave until it's right. That's the most important thing. Know that things are right. If you never received Christ, come and receive Christ. 
If there's something in your heart that you know the Spirit's saying, no, that's wrong. Stop that. Well, then lay it down today. Lay it down today. God's Word over you is grace. The favor of God wants to be upon you. The kindness of God. Peace. He wants you to walk through this life and whatever you face, have a peace and a steadiness and a supernatural contentment in Him and joy. He wants you to be a person of joy and rejoicing that you know in whom you have believed in and you're persuaded. He's going to keep you. He's going to finish the work. He's going to bring you through. So if you're here today and things aren't right, before you leave, make it right. Even if you don't want to come down, you where you are, meet with God. But secondly, if you're here today and you... Um, if you would like prayer, you would just like to come and um, praise the Lord. We can do that. I'm going to pray a mass prayer. But we'll also invite you to the altar. And you do as you feel led to do. Father, we thank you that your word and spoken blessing over us and we receive it is grace and peace. And Lord, we receive that and we bless that. And we say, Father, be it so. We expect to experience the outworking of your peace in our life. And now we give you praise and we give you thanks for who you are and what you've done. Lord, we want to thank you. You've been so good to us. Lord, we've gone through many, many years. We've gone through wars. We've gone through recessions. We've gone through attacks of this and attacks of that. But we've never had to be like other people, but we're not other people. We're children of the Most High God. And we thank you for the assurance we have, the great and precious promises of your word. Your presence that never leaves us nor forsakes us. So, Lord, before we leave, we just want to take a little time. Give you thanks and give you praise. You brought us a mighty long way, Lord. Cherish to think, Lord. I'm frightened to think where I might have been had it not been for the grace of God in my life. Oh, Lord, it frightens me, Lord, to think what my life would look out right now if you hadn't had mercy and grace upon my life. But I can look back and I can see your hand every step of the way. So I just want to take this time, Lord, to give you thanks and praise. Because I recognize the only reason I'm here today is you spoke grace and you spoke peace over my life. And I pray that joy would overflow to honor you and give you glory. Now, Lord, I pray touch your people. Father, you know every need, you know every situation. Father, in the name of Jesus, release your healing power. Anyone here today battling in their body, Father God, touch them right now with the power of God. Let it begin to work. Let it begin to work. Let it begin to work. Free them. Touch them. Strengthen them. In the name of Jesus, let that lung be free to breathe. Let that right lung be free to breathe. Let it begin to mend in the name of the Lord Jesus. And let peace come to that mind. No more restless thoughts. No more anxious thoughts. No more troubled thoughts. Peace. Rest. 
Now, O oh God, as we draw near, as we lift up your name with our song, draw near to us. Lord, refresh, revive. Shower your people this morning with your grace and your peace. In Jesus' name, let's worship the Lord together.